This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Spoiled. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It is Friday, June 24th, 2022. Spoiled is the word of the day relating to the NBA draft. Who watched the NBA draft last night? You get all excited. You think your team is going to be helped. You're reading about who's going to be the first pick in the draft, who your team is going to get in the first round. Will this be the difference maker? Really what you're waiting for. It's like watching a hockey game, waiting for fights. People are looking for trades, looking for excitement looking for inside information, and ESPN parades out their insider, Woj. The guy's paid like seven, eight million bucks a year, right? He just signed that huge extension. The power that he has is what struck me yesterday. Just shocked by it. There was a situation, I don't know, Wednesday. You know, you can bet on who's going to be picked in the draft. I never liked that. There should not be a market for something where there is a result that is known before the action ends. So I never liked that you can actually bet on the Oscars or the Tonys or the Emmys. I never liked that you can actually bet on the draft because there is opportunity for fraud. And the fraud is that there's somebody who knows, like in our draft room, we know exactly who we're drafting the MLB draft because we've got a list of players And if a player we want, number one on our board, gets taken, then we draft the number two guy. And if the number two guy gets drafted before us, we draft the number three guy. That's pretty much how it works. So if anyone in our draft room takes a picture of the draft board, it's not going to be hard to call the media and say, hey, the Marlins are taking, you know, Dr. Rosen-Rosen with the number 17 pick in this year's draft. Then you can go on any of these gambling websites and you can bet who the Marlins are going to take or who's going to be the number one pick. So there was a lot of action with who the number one pick would be. And the thought was it was going to be Jabari Smith because Woj tweeted, Jabari Smith goes one, Mike Holmgren goes two, and Pablo Bonchero goes three. Sorry, Chad Holgram. (laughs) Mike Holgram. Coca. Today's Friday. Mike Holgram was the coach of the Packers. That's funny. Chet Holgram who looks nothing like Mike Holgram at all. Anyway, you can cut that. Ready? Four, six, nine. 
So the number one pick in the draft was supposed to be Jabari Smith, according to Woj. Number two is going to be Chet Holgram. Number three, Pablo Benchero. That's it. So people are betting, and the odds are that Jabari Smith is going to go number one. Then it changes, and right before the draft, Woj texts, tweets, because it's all about engagement. It's all about retweets. It's all about making sure that you're first. You don't have to be right. Just be first. We can be right later, but if we're first, we don't have to ever revisit it. It's not like we're nothing personal doing wait to seize. So yesterday morning, he tells us that Smith goes one, Pablo goes three, and we bet accordingly. Then five minutes before the draft, he says, ah, you know what? There's a major change. We've got Pablo going one. And so the books start changing all the odds because when Woj says Pablo's one, not Jabari, that means Pablo's one. That means he's got the inside information and he has now spoiled the pick. So the betting market completely changes again. Adam Silver gets on stage, which is funny. You know, commissioners, when they're elected, detour here, Coca, commissioners are not elected because of their ability to speak publicly. Just know that. When all of us criticize Rob Manfred and the things he says and the way he says it, and then Adam Silver goes up and you're just not sure what you're looking at, you're not sure what you're listening to, they don't make 20 large a year or more because of their ability to speak publicly. Period. Hard stop. Did you hear Coca Roger Goodell say in the hearing yesterday when he when he was before the House Oversight Committee, hey, I'm not a lawyer. What do I know? That's funny. He's actually the only commissioner who's not a lawyer. Adam Silver can't say that. So Adam Silver gets up and Orlando Magic are on the clock. There's huge excitement at Barclays Center. Everyone's ready. Woj tweets, it's Pablo. Adam Silver says, with the number one pick, the Orlando Magic select. Pablo Benchero. And he in that great purple suit, if you haven't seen it on the Inter-Google, please go and look to see how Pablo, thank God for NILs, how Pablo was dressed. They all look so good. It was always a big thing, right? What do we wear? What do the kids wear to the draft? Do they have clothes? How do we get them clothes? Are we allowed to get them clothes? Now you just get a sponsor and you buy a suit. Wink, wink. Yeah, these draft picks never got any money before the draft, ever. They got no goods, no services, no money. Give me a break. So Pablo goes up. They do the awkward bro hug. What's it called? The man hug, whatever they do with the commissioner. And then Woj, throughout the rest of the first round, he's telling us the picks before the picks happen. If I'm running ESPN, I'm, I'm going to ask John Skipper about this next time we speak. Just out of curiosity, is that what ESPN wants? Does that make for a good broadcast? So Coca, in prepping for this show, said to me, David, I want you to think about it in terms that you'll relate to. Imagine watching the Oscars and not the prediction pregame part, the red carpet, like right as the best actor is being announced, someone's on your screen like a play-by-play guy saying, Will Smith of King Richard is about to win. And the Oscar goes to Will Smith of King Richard. How would I feel about that? And I said, I'd be despondent. I'm watching to see who wins because I have a pool. I have predictions and I just want to see the moment. I want to see the moment of excitement. Pablo actually said, I found out only 20 seconds before I was being drafted, which I must tell you, when you have the number one pick in the draft, you have communicated with your player who you're taking because there's no way your player is off the board. You've got the whole board. Do we actually think Orlando made the decision 20 seconds in advance who they were going to choose? If they did, and you're a fan of the Orlando Magic, you better find the new team. 
because there is nothing that should happen short of discovery of some sort of injury, criminal record, drug addiction, something really bad. That he's not really 6'10", he's actually 6'4", but wears lifts. It's actually not him, it's his twin brother. Like something acute would have to happen for you to decide 20 seconds before. It's funny, Pablo's saying he didn't even work out for the magic. That's really not a big deal. That's not, that, that really gets more media attention than anything else. We've drafted players, we watch a couple times and we secretly watch them, you get video. You really don't need, it's not like Adam Sandler and Hustle. You're not traveling around. I wonder how many times Pat Riley watched Nikola Jovic play, not Jokic. The Heat drafted Jovic. Nikola Jovic from Serbia went to the Heat with the 27th pick, not Nikola Jokic, who's the MVP for the Nuggets. I think Pat Riley flew to Serbia, 77 years old. Hey, let me, let me lay eyes on the 27th pick. Come on. So overall, I found the draft coverage to be fine. I love the Knicks trade. You talk about Leon Rose being good at his job. He may be the top executive. He should win executive of the year. The fact that you can get that sort of trade. He traded Kimball Walker, 19 second round picks, four first round picks, and the rights to have dinner at Wendy's on alternate Wednesdays during the month of June to the Pistons in a three-team trade where they got back 14 second-round picks, three first-round picks, and the right to go to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. Brilliant. Oh, my God. That's the type of content I am here for when I'm watching the draft. I want to see those trades. Ridiculous. The NBA woke up this morning despondent beyond repair. The draft show was an unmitigated disaster. There was zero excitement, none. The biggest excitement in the NBA yesterday was the list of teams that Kyrie Irving's willing to go to. Really, Kyrie? You're submitting a list of teams to me? Hi, I'm Sean Marks. You're submitting a list of teams to me? Do me a favor. Don't pick up your player option. Pick up your player option. Do whatever you want. You're telling me who you want me to negotiate with to trade you? Are you going to play every game? for the team we trade you to? That was the big news of the day in sports. There was other big, big news though, and we gotta cover it. Something happened yesterday, a couple things off the court. Ha <laughs> ha, funny, pun not intended. In the court, as part of the court, in the chambers, and I wanna give you some talking points about what happened because there's a lot of confusion right now about the Supreme Court of the United States and the Senate and what happened as it relates to gun control and the Second Amendment yesterday. And I wanna just give you some information so you have it. Yesterday, the Supreme Court released an opinion where they struck down a New York gun control law. The law that they ruled as unconstitutional in a majority opinion written by Clarence Thomas. Yes, the husband of Ginny. That's what we should call him now. Ginny's husband wrote an opinion that was concurred by Justice Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh. In a 6-3 vote, the three liberal justices voted no. But what this law was, and it was like 100 years old, this law in New York, it said that if you want to carry a gun, you have got to show and prove a reason for carrying it, that you fear for your safety, that you work in a job where you fear for your safety, that you have a scenario where you fear for your safety, and then we'll decide. 
whether you should be fearing for your safety. And if we decide that you shouldn't be fearing for your safety, we are not going to give you a license to carry a gun in public. The court said, no, we are not going to require people to show proper cause to get a license to carry. A license to carry is a constitutional right that we see in the Second Amendment. This is quite interesting because the Supreme Court does not rule on Second Amendment cases. What the Supreme Court does, they take laws that are made by the legislative branch and they interpret them. The judicial branch interprets, interprets the legislative branch. But then the legislative branch can take what the Supreme Court does, what the judicial branch does, and they can write different laws. There is no denying, whatever your political views are, that New York's laws were very, very anti-gun control. They wanted to have as few people with guns on the streets as possible, and by making people prove just cause, proper cause, you are taking the entire group of people who want to carry guns and you are making it smaller. By ruling that states do not have the right to do it, here is what is actually going to happen. What's actually going to happen is that the states that have similar laws, Hawaii has a law like this, Jersey has a law like this, a bunch of other states, those laws are now going to be unconstitutional, which means there will be sessions, special legislative sessions called in these states, and they will rewrite the laws. It is not going to be the case in New York City that you can walk down the street and you're going to see people with AR-15s just walking down the streets. Now, there are states that want that, and you may see that. There could be more guns around, but there's so many anyway. There could be increased gun violence, but there's so much anyway. I have told you not exactly where I stand politically. I'm very anti-gun, however, because I don't read the Second Amendment the way other people do. However, the absolute panic regarding this specific New York law is unfounded. I tweeted that it's a step in the wrong direction because it is, because what it's doing is it is showing that this Supreme Court is going to be very, very protective of everybody's Second Amendment rights, and it is going to force the fight into the states. And there are plenty of states who are going to take advantage of this, and it is going to become easier to carry guns. Anything that makes it easier. Anything that makes it easier at the federal level, at the state level, it doesn't matter, to me, is a step in the wrong direction. I don't want it to be easy to get a gun. I want you to be able to get a gun if you want to have a gun. I'm not trying to take away your handguns. I am trying to make it so you at least have to have a federally-based background check. You have to be not mentally ill. You have to be over 21. There are various things that I believe are necessary for crying out loud. If you can't drink, I don't think you should be able to buy a gun, but that's just me. But as far as the Supreme Court case goes, it is going to do nothing other than have the states draw up new laws, which they're going to do. As a matter of fact, New York's going to do it super soon. Now, what is noteworthy about this Supreme Court case is they don't happen often with Second Amendment, but it came on the same day as the Senate passing the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. The Senate 
right? You have two senators. There are 100 senators. Every state has two senators. The Senate had not passed any sort of gun legislation since 1994 when they banned assault weapons. 1994 to me is yesterday. The Knicks were in the finals. I graduated law school. I was, my business was happening in Europe. News travels fast. Seems like yesterday. It's 30 years ago. There had not been gun legislation passed in 30 years. What does the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act do? Why is it bipartisan? That means that both Republicans and Democrats found a way to agree on something. Can you imagine the negotiations that took place between the Republicans and the Democrats in the Senate? Hey, can we ban assault weapons? No. Are you sure? No. All right. Can we change the, the law from 18 to 21? No. Are you sure? Yeah. No. Okay. What, what, tell me, sir, Mr. Republican or Ms. Republican, what exactly can we do? Well, what if we gave $750 million so we can really make sure that people are mentally stable when they get guns? $750 million. $750 million. We spend that in the Ukraine like the day before yesterday. Oh, I'm sorry. What's the $750 million going to do? Well, it's going to give you a chance to say that we passed bipartisan gun legislation. It's going to be super exciting. We're going to get to take the podium and say, look, kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya. We work together. 750 smackers. We're going to do some studies. But wait, can we do more? Oh, my God. We're going to do way more. Well, what else? Well, you know what? We're going to talk about background checks, and we're going to talk about ages. We're going to talk about what you have to do to get a gun, whether you're 18, 19, or 20. Can we put that? Can we put that in? Well, how are we going to word that? My overall general point is that it's a great PR move that this bipartisan Safer Communities Act passed. It is going to be looked at as a victory for the Democrats. It's going to be looked at as not a loss for the Republicans. And the general public is going to say, look, people can work together and we can get something done. I'm not exactly sure what got done. Other than the fact that to get the Republican votes, they had to water down this act to the point that its teeth are like the teeth that are, you know, when your teeth, when you get crowns and they file your tooth down. So it's just sort of a little tiny stub of a white thing. And then they put a crown over it and then it looks like you have perfect teeth. But if you sort of take the crown off or it falls off, you look at that little fang. That to me is what the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act is. It's the little fang except everyone's going to celebrate it as though it's the greatest looking tooth in the world. And the pun is intended. It has no teeth. All right. I, I, let's break now, Coca. We'll come back. We're going to review a movie and we're going to talk about what's going on in baseball with the Yankees because something happened last night. There's a bit of misinformation about what's going on today and I feel like it's important that we clarify it. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, 
you think there'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for following. Please go on Apple Podcasts, hit follow. We are here every day, except next Monday we're not. Two days from now, after this weekend, Monday, we're going to be in uh, Arizona climbing mountains. But we'll be back on Tuesday. But we're here just about every day, really close to every day. 45 minutes entertaining, educating, and we thank you for your time. Hit follow. We're on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Can't exactly figure out the algorithm to increase subscribers, but we're going to keep trying because that's what we do. I watched a movie yesterday that I am going to encourage all of you to watch. It's called Some Kind of Heaven. Some Kind of Heaven is a new documentary on Hulu. It is about a community in Florida that I had never heard of, which is amazing that I'd never heard of it because I lived in Florida for 18 years. Coke, have you ever heard of the villages? The retirement community in Florida, the villages? The villages is Disney World for retired people. It's an entire city. It's got houses, it's got movie theaters, it's got restaurants. It's got hospitals, it's got golf courses, it's got bowling alleys, it's got dances, it's got um, classes that you can take, it's got a drill team, it's got synchronized swimming. It is this unbelievable place where people go to retire and they move there and they drink the village's Kool-Aid and they never leave. As one person said in the documentary, I've come here, I'm a frog, they refer to themselves. I've come here and I'll be here until I croak. <laughs> now, they don't say in the movie whether you have to be over 55 or over 65. Everyone to me looked really old. But if it's over 55, I'll see you in, I don't know, six months? Eight months? What month are we in? April, May, June. Eight months. I'll be 55 in eight months. I can move to the village. Coke, I can move to the villages. I'm not doing it. Anyway, so this entire thing is fascinating. And what, Coke? <laughs> no, he didn't. Three weeks ago, a 77-year-old man was arrested for punching an 84-year-old man over golf cart etiquette in the villages. Hell yeah. They probably have their own police force. But that's not what this documentary is about. It shows you what the villages is. It talks about how it is so insanely good for retired people. But... It goes through the lives of a few of these people. 
there's a homeless man in a van who drives his van to the villages because he wants to find a rich woman and shack up with her so he doesn't have to be homeless anymore. There's a married man of 47 years who moved to the villages and all of a sudden does cocaine, does pot, gets arrested, and becomes a crazy man. And his wife of 47 years wonders, what in the hell is going on? Then there's a woman who became a widow, moved to the villages, and she's trying to find a guy, finds a guy who is a member of a parrot head club because they've got those in the villages. He's like a Margaritaville guy, and it shows their sort of get-together. I've told you my nursing home story. My dad used to run nursing homes, and the biggest issue they had in nursing homes was not the smell on the floor. It was actually the STDs on the floor. There's so much sex in nursing homes that it would actually blow your mind. Can you imagine what goes on in the villages? Some kind of heaven. The documentary on Hulu, believe me, after 82 minutes, you will say to yourself, I'm moving there. I'm not scared of getting old. I cannot believe what these people are doing. Those are going to be your three takeaways. One of the things that we do on this show is we go 45 minutes straight. I make mistakes. Absolutely. Coca doesn't catch every one of them. In my ear, he catches a few. I made a mistake yesterday that you caught. And when you catch a mistake, you, the audience, I'm going to correct it on the next show because I'm not afraid to make mistakes, unlike some of the other gas bags you hear on TV. I said Joe Musgrove, who was the pitcher for the Padres last night, I said Joe Musgrove led the NL in ERA and in wins. It turns out Tony Gonsolin has a 158 ERA. Joe Musgrove had a 159 ERA. I was off by .01. Tony Gonsolin has nine wins. Joe Musgrove has eight wins. So Tony Gonsolin actually leads. He's the number one starter for the Dodgers right now. He leads the National League in wins in ERA, which is why Joe Musgrove did not pitch well against the Phillies and we lost our pick of the day, which was very depressing. Okay, do you know that Joe Musgrove's ERA after a bad start last night went from 159 to 212? He's got the New York ERA. He's now behind Sandy Alcantara. He's third in ERA now, still second in wins. He didn't get the win, but third in ERA. Thank you for that correction. What about the Yankees? Did you watch that game? I mean, you couldn't if you were watching the draft. I guess people have like three or four TVs now where you got multiple devices. So the Yankees are losing to the Astros. It's a huge four-game series between, I would argue, the two best teams in the American League, though there could be a discussion about that. But I think they're probably the two best teams. And in the first inning, second pitch of the game, Jose Altuve gets hit by a pitch. What do you think of that? Everyone is saying it's purposeful. The Yankees are still upset about the garbage can in 2017. Jose Altuve, the buzzer-wearing guy. What are you doing? If they actually threw it Altuve purposefully, and I'm Hal Steinbrenner, I'm annoyed. I'm trying to win a game. I'm trying to actually stomp out the Astros. I want to sweep them in this four-game series. I know I've got Verlander against me tomorrow. I've got to win tonight. Otherwise, I'm in danger of losing the first two games of the series. I don't want to hit Altuve. Aaron Boone, you're better than that, which leads me to believe it was not on purpose, even though it really did look like it was on purpose. 
So Alex Bregman hits a three-run homer. Astros up 3 nothing. Bottom of the first, Stanton hits a three-run homer. Oppo. Oppo. Stanton, who in other teams would be getting a lot more attention, but Aaron Judge is getting all the attention. Astros have a four-run lead going into the ninth. And Aaron Hicks, their soft-hitting outfielder, hits a three-run homer, ties the game, and Aaron Judge walks it off. Aaron Judge walked off the Astros on a 3-0 pitch. The Yankees do not lose. They won their 15th game in a row at home. They've won over 50 games. It's a huge, huge victory. But the media made a mistake. There's a claim that people have, whether you're in the media or just a fan, Aaron Judge, and he's having an MVP season, he's got to be, along with Jose Ramirez, the top two candidates for MVP, although Aaron Judge is certainly the leader as of this moment for the MVP in the American League. He's going to arbitration today. So people were like, look at this. He had a walk-off single on the eve of arbitration. Do you know how arbitration works? If you're a nothing personal fan, you do. Arbitration normally doesn't happen during the season, but the hearings are happening now because of the collective bargaining agreement and the negotiation that led to a deal right before spring training started. So arbitration that normally happens in January, February was delayed to during the season. It's happened before and it's awkward when you have a player playing for you and that player goes to the room. That's why I sort of thought there'd be very few cases that would actually go to the room. I actually told you on a wait to see that there would be no more than seven arbitration hearings. What date was that, Coke? I'm not sure. But I said, of all of the players who don't have a contract yet, and there were many, they're all going to settle. There won't even be seven hearings. Well, there were 13 arbitration hearings, so I got that wait to see wrong. By the way, wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. And if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, great. I'm going to revisit it. But the rule in arbitration is the current season is not relevant to the arbitration case. That was March 23rd of this year that I did that wait to see for those of you keeping track, which we do. Aaron Judge having 27 home runs. Aaron Judge hitting a walk-off single the night before his hearing matters not to these arbitrators. The Yankees want to pay him 17 million. Aaron Judge wants 21 million. The arbitrators will look at his performance in past years. They will look at the number of games he's missed because of injuries. They will look at comparable players like a Mookie Betts, etc. Does Aaron Judge have a World Series win? He does not. Does Aaron Judge have an MVP? He does not. There are many things that Mookie Betts had that Aaron Judge does not. Now, Aaron Judge hits the ball a long way. Aaron Judge is an Adonis Hulk-looking guy who, with Giancarlo Stanton, makes for the two greatest-looking, biggest, most in-shape players imposing. I get it. But that's not how arbitration works. So then people say to me, David, but these arbitrators, they're human beings. They're going to know that Aaron Judge is having a good season. Do you know that the arbitrators, if they do not do their job the way they're supposed to do their job, they lose their job. Either the union or the league can dismiss any arbitrator they want for no reason at all. These arbitrators who hear these hearings, that's an awkward way to say it, who preside over these hearings, they like their job. They get paid good money, and it's really cool to sit in a room with Aaron Judge. 
So if the league thinks for one second that an arbitrator is using statistics or measurements or thoughts or feelings or personal biases that are inappropriate for the hearing and coming to a conclusion not based on the set of facts that are supposed to be used, that arbitrator will lose his or her job. So for all of you thinking that you know what's happening with the Aaron Judge arbitration, I assure you that you don't. So Aaron Judge will have a virtual hearing today. He'll wake up, I would bet you, Eastern arbitrations at 9.30 and 2.30 were the times, and the players were actually on site in either Tampa or Arizona. It would be two years of Tampa and one in Arizona, and they'd be early. Now that it's virtual and it's during the season, I guarantee you it's not happening at 9.30 a.m. because Aaron Judge is night-night at 9.30 a.m. So I would guess, when is it, Coca? What time? Noon? Oh, there you go, by the way. That makes perfect sense. The hearing will be from noon to 3, noon to 3.30 with a lunch break, or maybe he'll get a shick-shack beforehand, but he's going to roll out of bed. He's going to do it from his home in New York and uh, his apartment, I would assume. And then we're going to get a result tomorrow. So we're going to know on Saturday the 25th, although do they wait till Monday to make announcements? Either Saturday or Monday, whether judge prevailed. The other question people have had is, if Aaron Judge does not have a contract, how is he being paid? Well, the rule is that you are paid at the team's number until your hearing. So Aaron Judge has been making at the rate of 17 million. Remember, you're paid over six months. Let's pretend for math, it's 18 million. That's $3 million a month. There's two paychecks a month. That's a million and a half per paycheck. So the paychecks that have happened starting April 1st have been at a million and a half every two weeks, which is the rate of 18 million, pretending it's 18, not 17. And if Aaron Judge wins his hearing, that means that he makes an extra three million, which is an extra five hundred thousand dollars. I'm making up the numbers. Well, if it's three million, that is five hundred thousand dollars a month. And then he gets the back pay immediately, and then starts being paid at the new rate in the next paycheck. So don't worry, he has gotten money to play baseball this year. Okay, nothing personal. Pick of the day. I told you we lost. I mean, Joe Musgrove. He had the worst start of the year. I would assume. We're only 10 games over. We are on quite a streak here, Coca. We're looking for value and we're going to get it. We're taking it. The value we're taking is Verlander and the Astros over Severino and the Yankees. I'm betting against a streak. Should we be fading Samson right now? I'm just glad that it's a weekend because I have been cold as fire. Verlander and the Astros. If you're going to win a game of these four, you got to win Verlander, right? Verlander has been incredible. He really has. Okay. Oh, let me do a wait to see. I'm sorry we're all over the place today. It's Friday. I'm very tired. Very tired. We've been recording extra shows to release while I'm away next month. Actually, it's two weeks. Two weeks from today, I will be in Africa. That's crazy, Coca. Starting the process of beginning to climb Mount Kilimanjaro with my torn hamstring which by the way, is at the origin of the hamstring, which is really where the tushy is. So as I'm sitting here doing this show, I've got two pillows, one pad, and my left cheek hurts so badly right now that if you see me on Nothing Personal on the YouTube channel, I sort of am trying to put all my weight on my right foot, which is causing my right foot to really sweat. And I feel uneven, which is why I'm to the right side of the microphone. Are you watching this? I'm very distracted and very sweaty and really in a lot of pain. But don't worry, I'll be able to climb Kilimanjaro and then run a marathon. 
I went to the doctor yesterday, Coco. Have you been to a physical therapist? I'd never been to a physical therapist before yesterday. I went to the physical therapist because my hamstring, it hurts so badly I can barely move. And I have not been training now since I heard it water skiing on Saturday. And he presses me, touches my tushy in a totally appropriate way. He moves my leg in a certain way. And he says, yeah, you have a torn hamstring. I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, this isn't a place that's pretty rare. It's at the top of your hamstring. It's under a bunch of different things. But when I press this and palpitate, he used the word palpitate. When I palpitate that and touch that and rub that, not like the, the good rub, like just a, a bad one, like, like your finger on a spot where you scream. He said, here's what I would do. Get drugs. Take Advil. Good luck to you. I said, well, can I still climb Killy and do the marathon? He said, listen, I'm not telling you you can't do it. I'm just telling you it's going to hurt and you're going to delay your recovery. I said, what's the recovery? He said, are you David Sampson? I said, yeah. He said, did you not run a baseball team? I said, yeah. He said, you don't know what the recovery is for a torn hamstring? I said, yeah, but that's baseball. Eight to 12 weeks. We always say four to six, but it's always eight to 12. He said, yeah, two to three months. You've got the same thing. I said, no. He said, David, can you run right now? I said, it hurts. And I'm worried that I'm going to hurt another part of my body. He said, yeah, that's why you don't let your players play because they're going to compensate. It's not going to get better and they're going to hurt something else. I said, oh, am I totally screwed or partially screwed? He said, ah, just partially. You're strong enough to do it. You'll fight through it. Why was I even talking about that? Oh, because my left cheek hurts so badly right now that I'm looking at the clock. I have 11 minutes. I got to sit here. But we have so many more topics. All right, wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. I forgot to mention this yesterday. And for those of you listening to every show, you'll realize we talked about the commanders. Someone Coca said to me and more than one person said they understand the humor of command skins, but they think it's offensive. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm trying to show you how ridiculous Danny Boy is. In any case... I forgot to tell you my wait to see, so book it today on June 24th of 22. Daniel Snyder and the commanders are going to get punished again by Roger Goodell in the NFL. The original $10 million punishment, the original Danny Snyder, you can't run the team. Tiny's got to run it. You can run the foundation. Roger Goodell will have no choice, no choice, but to further punish Dan Snyder and the commanders. Okay. Pick one what? Oh, I know. I am. Okay, I want to talk about something that happened yesterday, uh, and it bothered me greatly. And for those of you who've been around for 623 episodes of Nothing Personal, plus all the mailbags and the interviews with Samson sit-downs we do, I have an issue with people who use the internet as a shield to their actions. I call it cyber courage. Some people call it keyboard courage. When I ran the Marlins, I had, during the course of my time, four different instances where there were death threats made against me. It involved MLB security. It involved Marlins security. We had the local authorities involved. They found out. They can trace it. They find out. There was a time when I had security at my house we did some trades. We did a bunch of things that people didn't like. I get it. But I'm just curious how this works. Are you that invested 
in sports or anything that you are willing to threaten someone's life or even worse, use a gun or some other manner to kill someone over losses? Is there anything that would cause you to commit a crime like that? Or are you just joking? Tyreek Hill received death threats because he made a comment on a podcast that his new quarterback in Miami, Tua Tagliavoa, is a more accurate passer than his old quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, the Super Bowl winning MVP of the Kansas City Chiefs. I lost my mind. I'd like to know who's doing it, and I'd like to know why. I'd like to know who thinks it's okay to even type those words. Now, you've heard me talk about inside people's Instagram, on their Twitter, people who say things when you have an opinion that's different than yours. They talk about you personally. You're fat. You're ugly. You're the worst president ever. You're the worst player ever. You stink. I'm good with all of it. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. You only got your job because of your daddy. You shouldn't even be playing football. I get it. I'm good. I sign up for that. Every athlete signs up for that. Everybody in who's a public figure signs up for that. You cannot complain when you're called short, fat, ugly, gay, straight, bad, stupid, privileged. Don't complain. You're a public figure. But a death threat? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Who is it that cares so much about Patrick Mahomes that they would be willing to say to Tyreek Hill that I want to kill you for saying that two is a more accurate passer? Who gives a crap? What bothers me the most about it is that Tyreek Hill said something He's got a new podcast. And people actually said that Tyreek Hill only mentioned the death threats because he wanted to, he, excuse me, they only mentioned about Patrick Mahomes and being a less accurate passer because he wanted listeners to his podcast. As a podcaster, I can tell you, I don't want to create viral moments because you can't. I want to tell you things that I believe, and if it becomes viral or it becomes a huge lightning rod, then it does. As president of a team, you know when you're creating headlines. You know when you say something, it's going to get picked up and written. Tyreek Hill doing a podcast, Draymond Green doing a podcast, J.J. Reddick doing a podcast, even the L-level David Sampson doing a podcast. You say something on a certain subject, there's a chance that it gets picked up, discussed, debated, criticized, and that is fair game. You think Tyreek Hill doesn't believe what he said? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he actually said it because two is his new teammate and he wants his teammate to feel good about himself. Maybe he said it because he doesn't like Patrick Mahomes. Maybe he said it because he wanted more attention brought to his new podcast because he wants to make more money. Does it matter to you? 
Is it possible that you disagree so much that you would take the time to comment? Yes. Great. Tell me why Tua is a less accurate passer than Patrick Mahomes. I'm in. Tell me why you disagree with him saying it or you take umbrage with the reason that he said it. I'm in. But a death threat? All these players who make mistakes on the field, call a timeout when they don't have one, miss a three-point shot for a win, have a bad game, make an error, and they come out and talk about the vitriol they get on social media. I'm in for vitriol. I'm in for being angry and disappointed when your team loses and for the accessibility that you have to players on the internet. You have the right to contact them, but you can close your DMs. You cannot read your comments. There's all sorts of ways to avoid seeing what people are saying. Believe me, it can be done. But a death threat? Haven't we had enough? We talked in this show about the guns. We talked about what the Supreme Court's doing. We talked about what the Senate's doing. We talked about the fact that the Supreme Court does not right now represent the people. It is an absolute runaway in the United States that we want stricter gun control. It is a runaway that we want more safety. We don't want kids to die, right? And now, when there are death threats, and people can say to themselves there are more guns, they're easier to get, they can be carried in public. If you're a public figure, you're thinking more about it. Should there be more punishment for people who do death threats? You know what we used to do when we would catch the person doing it? We would say, you better stop, or we're going to have to get the FBI involved, and you're going to have charges pressed against you. I don't think there should be a decision anymore. Anybody who uses the internet for any sort of death threat should be immediately prosecuted. There should be federal, it should be a federal crime. You can make it a state crime too. We have got to stop people from doing that. Do you know that, uh, have you been watching the January 6th committee, the hearings? There's a big divide, right? If you're a Republican who watches Fox in theory, you don't even know they're happening. If you're a Democrat who watches MSNBC, you're getting live coverage all day long, live tweeting, live coverage with great anchors. But this hearing and what we're trying to learn as a people is what exactly happened on the 6th. It's that simple. Who knew what, when, and why is it so dangerous what actually happened? because it is an incredibly serious topic, way more serious than workplace harassment issues, way more. And workplace harassment issues are plenty serious. Understanding what the president knew and didn't know, understanding what his advisors knew and didn't know, understanding what could have been done, what wasn't done, what will be done going forward. That is the very foundation of our government, which is the foundation of what matters to me the most, which is my freedom. There are Republicans on this committee. There are Democrats on this committee. This is not a witch hunt of a committee. This is a finding of fact exercise. One of the guys is named Adam Kinzinger. He's a representative, a Republican, a congressman. He lives in Illinois. Do you know that he got a letter, a letter from someone 
and I can tell you what group they're from, threatening a death threat against him and his wife and child? How many people get death threats? How about today being the day, Coca? How about June 24th being the day? It's not going to be. That's like saying Columbine will be the last school shooting. Sandy Hook will be the last school shooting. No, it's not the day. But what if it were? I don't want to end the week on a negative note. I want to end it on a positive note. The positive note is that I believe that there's enough of you who realize that those who make death threats on the internet are so extreme that they ought to be punished in a way that we're not doing now. There ought to be resources given. If we're so easily spending money in places, and if you looked at the federal budget, it would blow your mind. If you looked at the state budget, if you looked at your local community budget, it would blow your mind some of the budget items. I think we ought to spend just a little more money finding people who take things like this to an extreme and put them away. Lock them up. See you later. You want to do a deterrent to death threats? 10 years. No parole. We prove that you threaten someone's life over a sporting event, over a hearing, over anything. 10 years. This is not three strikes, you're out. This is one threat and you're in. It's going to be a great weekend for everybody. Do something outside. Do something positive. We will be back on Tuesday. There will be plenty of things that go on. We'll update the judge arbitration hearing because we'll have a winner by Tuesday for sure. We'll see where we are in baseball. We'll see where we are off the court, on the court, because at nothing personal, you know what happens. You know how this ends. Have a good weekend, folks. No, I'm just kidding. It's just business. This is nothing personal.